there's a, there's a few chemical um, medications on the market you could use. You just, you know, go online or read the literature that's available, go to your local store. Um, and there's a few traps which are natural way to deal with. And anything that is fermenting, like apple cider, beer, uh, vinegar, is a good substance to put in a trap. And the traps that are sold are one-way trap, basically. So then they yeah, they are attracted by the smell of the fermenting stuff go in and they cannot exit so that's how and then you empty it refill it for more and just keep trapping them because they are they are bad oh, they're horrible. I yeah never, never. I, I had a friend of mine actually uh, since we are talking about beetle had a friend who called me up and said hey come see something's wrong with my hive is it too hot or why do i see this goop coming out of my hive and i and the reason the goop is coming out of the hive because the beetle and its larva when it the population explodes, it can drill every frame with honey, with larva, with brood, and the whole thing flows out like mud out of your hive. <laughs> you know, you have this mud on the bottom of the hive. You have to get rid of the... You have to get rid of the frames, because there's eggs, beetle, uh, beetle queen lays eggs, you know, everywhere on edges of the frame. Any nook and cranny that's tight enough, they will lay eggs there and the eggs will hatch. Of course, they need perfect ideal environment that has to include moisture, warmth, and food. So if you have moisture, warmth, and food, uh, they thrive. Now, eastern states or humid states like Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, East Texas, ideal for the life cycle because the beetle's life cycle is not only in the hive. The larva, when it develops, it has to jump out of the hive parachute down, doesn't parachute, but just jumps on <laughs> down in the soil. It, it burrows in the soil and completes its cycle in the moist soil. And that's, that's how it that thrives. Now, if the soil is dry, or like in Arizona or California, that cycle is interrupted. So there's no problem with hive beetle in West, on the western coast because it's too dry. Right. Too dry there. Here... Yeah, wax moth. Again, folks, uh, rule of thumb, a strong colony, a strong colony can take care of 90% of the disease. Yeah. A good strong colony has enough soldiers, enough guards, enough medics, enough emergency services, because they have thousands of, of bees there, right? What about the high beetles? Can they... they actually physically remove them. If, if, they're a, strong if colony, a strong colony can, has so, so, so many soldiers and policemen, that can arrest each beetle and drag him out, maybe sting him to death and toss him out. But a weaker colony, like a four-frame colony, okay, what is a strong colony, guys? A colony that's 10-frame, bustling, full covered with bees, that's a strong colony. Yeah, well, at 20 frames, 30 frames, that's super strong colony. Now, a weak colony would be four frames and less. Four frames or four pieces of comb covered with bees or less is a weak colony. We call it a split. Four-framer is a split. A split is like you have a healthy plant and you take a twig and try to root it. That's what a split of a beehive is. You take some brood, some eggs, maybe a queen or maybe no queen, and they will raise their own queen, and you put it in a separate box, that's a split. They don't have enough guards. They don't have enough soldiers and policemen and medics to take care of all the problems. So you have to be very cautious not to allow any infestation, any contamination, and all that kind of stuff in that colony. So key for success or for healthy colony, maintain strong colonies. If your colonies are weak, do not feel bad 
and join them together. And we'll talk in the next lecture about merging the colonies and about multiplying the colonies and swarming and things like that and prevention of swarming. But um, um, do not be shy. Combine your colonies if they are weak because a weak colony, normally in your mind you are thinking, I have a weak colony. It's like a starting shoot. If I let it grow, it'll become a majestic tree. There's a good chance it will if there's no bacteria, bugs, pests, and, and things like that. But a weak colony cannot defend itself against all that stuff. So you have to help the weak colony. How do you help? Either medication or certain practices that you um, employ in order to keep the colony healthy. And if you have many colonies, that's very time consuming. So commercial beekeepers, when they open their hive and they see four framers, they say, this is not right. They kill the queen immediately, say, this is bad, bad hive, kill the queen, merge it with another colony. That's what commercial people do. Because they, they know strong colonies can defend themselves from, from any bacterial, viral, or pest infestation. A weak colony cannot. Therefore, maintain strong colonies, good health. Yes? So when they merge the, say you have two weak colonies, you wouldn't merge the two weaker colonies to make a strong one. You'd merge each one with a... Yes, if you have two weak colonies, you can merge them together. You, you can. But if, if the two weak colonies are three framers, and you merge them together, you are resulting at six-frame colony, borderline weak colony. So merge three of them together. Now, so they are strong and robust, and they can defend themselves from most of the disease. Yes? Do you kill the queen so they don't fight, or how do you... Um, yes, that's what we are going to talk about in this lecture. But yes, you merge them, you kill two queens, or you kill all three queens, actually, and replace give them a totally brand new queen because yes they will but there's methods that will prevent that how to introduce a queen but basically a healthy one-year-old queen or younger a strong colony is your key for successful beekeeping so if you have a one or two-year-old queen and you say this queen is such a good layer and she looks so pretty <laughs> you know and I want to keep her for next season. You can keep her, but she won't be a good producer. Next season, there will be five, six frames of bees because she's exhausted. Her ovaries don't produce as many eggs. Besides, she's running out of sperm supply that she annexed from the drones, <laughs> right? And, um, and she's running out of ability of laying fertile eggs. Therefore, she can only lay unfertile eggs and she will lay more drones and sometimes you know, sometimes that colony will just languish and you will be focused and trying to help the colony and nothing good comes out and you are wasting your time. So you eliminate the queen, give him a new queen. So just a good beekeeper that, that wants healthy bees just opens the lid. And if he sees black or orange or brown color, that means that if there's bees crawling everywhere on the top of a hive, on the top of the frames, that's a strong colony. Everything is fine. He doesn't even have to go and look for the queen. You know, she's doing well. Put the lid back. If you open the lid of a colony and you see maybe five bees crawling right in the middle, on the middle frames, commercial guy says, Phew, no good. Let's find the queen. There she is. He would squish it and toss it away and merge this colony with another colony. Let me show you two videos, a couple of shots of slides, and we'll jump into our subject. 
And our subject would be merging colonies, multiplying colonies, growing colonies, and swarm prevention. Swarming is natural way of multiplying for the bees. So we'll talk about that too. So I'll show you a couple of videos, guys. One of them, let's start with this uh, still shot. Um, what do you think is this guy and this guy? Who are they? They're guards. They are checking the passport of this particular bee. That's right. Now, this particular bee is actually a stranger to this hive. How do I know? Yes, you see her head bowing down on the board. You see her abdomen sticking up and her wings are fanning slightly. What is she doing? She is asking for mercy. She, it's a position of a begging bee. She says, I know I don't belong to your citizen group. I, I'm a stranger. I'm a foreigner. But according to the Bible, you have to receive the foreigners, right? <laughs> That's her plea. So she bows down. She surrenders her passport. And she accepts. Basically, she fans her wings, allowing the pheromones of her previous colony to be communicated to the guards. They say, oh, you're a stranger. But since you are asking for, for naturalization, we'll, natural, we'll accept you. So they will issue her the passport, right? She will ex be accepted as a citizen of this new home. And she will start carrying the same, sharing the same pheromone with the rest of the bees. And she will be just a new citizen in this colony. She'll be fine. All right. So, how many she's are in the colony? You have a queen, but how many females? All right. Now, again, a question to you guys: What gender are worker bees? They are females. Actually, they are females. All the workers are females. There's one thing that they are lacking: they are underdeveloped females because their ovaries haven't developed. But there's genetic. Um, propensity for that queen to develop ovaries. So sometimes what happens, sometimes rebellion can happen in a hive. And this is intriguing. In fact, when I listen to this, um, uh, to, to this subject here that I was, basically I looked at the topic that I was supposed to present. I said, well, I need to share this, but I don't know how I can fit it in. But I'm glad you asked about the gender. Here's what happens, guys. And this is a very, very intriguing thing. Sometimes we talked about the fact that bees are social, right? There's, there's actually groups, there's uh, immigration officers at the entrance, right? They also are guards. They are checking the IDs of each bee entering in. There's also a, a, a thing inside of a colony where each bee, according to their age, is assigned certain tasks. So, for example, bees age one through five, their task is to feed and take care of toddler larvae. The bees like six to through seven, eight day, their job is to feed the baby larva, like the infant larva. Then when the bees reach the age of about uh, 10, 13 days, their job is to produce wax and produce royal jelly. Then when the bee, reach, bee reaches the age of 18 days, what happens to young men in many countries when they reach 18 years old? <laughs> they go to the army. Guess what? At the age of 18 days, it matches our society. Their society assigns a job for these bees. The bees of the age of 18 days have a job, and their job is to be soldiers or guards and policemen. So that's their job. This guy is most likely about 18 plus days, this and this, because they are guards. So sometimes 
these worker bees, which all are female. Remember, all the worker bees are female, and the queen is also female. Now, the only difference between the queen and the rest of the females that are workers is that the rest of the workers do not have ovaries that are fully developed. Their ovaries are dormant. Sometimes there's great controversy starting in the beehive. It's like a small universe, really, like a small universe. And, and things happening there just like in our universe happened. You know, one day Lucifer, who is a worker bee, by the way, looked around and said, I'm pretty smart. Besides, I'm good with music or at, at, at conducting choirs. And I'm very, very handsome. And I think I could make a good queen or a good ruler or a good king, just like the most high. Right? Ezekiel mentions that, that, that story. And, and so one day, one of the bees, or maybe two or three of the bees, will bend together and say, hey, uh, we are females, aren't we? Yes, we are. And they'll start demonstrating. We are females. We are females. So they will conduct that kind of things throughout the hive. And they will sign up petitions, and there will be more. Maybe a band of about 10 bees will get together. They will go and kill the queen. Yes. So a rebellion starts. It's, it's a very interesting sociological study if you want to know. If you have about 10 hives, maybe in five years you will find one, one hive that is doing just that. If you have 100 hives, you can find it every year. This can happen every year. Like once in 100. So the seed of sin and rebellion is seeded even in, in the bee colonies. So these guys will kill the queen when they have done that they will demand the royal court or the attendance of the queen to focus their care upon themselves. They say, we want the same care as the queen was getting. We demand it. We, well, of course, this is an allegory. But I imagine they are telling the, guard, the, the, the attendants, we want royal jelly. We want the manna. We want whatever they say. I don't know. But the, the attendants will start feeding these rebel workers who are gender-wise what? Females with what that's underdeveloped? Ovaries are underdeveloped. So they will receive lots of royal jelly. And within a week or two, you will see their abdomen swell and their ovaries awaken and they start laying eggs. And they start laying eggs and they say, hey, we are just as good as the most high. We can produce life. And they actually will start laying eggs. Now, they are not as skilled as the most high. They are not as good as the most high. But they think they are. They think their government and their ability to do that is, is just as good, if not better. And they probably think it's better because they lay 5 or 10 or 20 eggs in each cell. That's how good they, are. they think they are. <laughs> Because their eggs are a little tinier than regular queen's eggs. They will lay lots of eggs like that. And pretty soon you come to a hive, you pull out a frame, and you see the brood. But the brood doesn't look like healthy brood. Instead of flat-capped, beautiful worker brood, you see this bumpy brood that looks like poor pattern, like, like we call it hunchback brood in, in my country. It's basically brood that doesn't look... Even it has these bumps on, on their back, you know, like hunches. And, uh, and you look at that brood and you realize, oh, there's rebellion going on in this hive. 
these worker bees who killed the queen demanded the attention from the attendants and they are being fed royal jelly and taken good care of, they get the royal treatment and they, their ovaries are developed now because of extra royal jelly and they can lay eggs and produce life. However, it's a dead end because that civilization, any rebellion doesn't lead to anything good, right? Just like the rebellion in heaven. This rebellion also is a dead end because whatever comes out and hatches out of that egg is a midget drone. It's a tiny little drone that is not fully developed male. So if you thought that a, a worker bee is not fully developed is deficient, think of a drone that is not fully developed. It's like deficiency square. It's a male who doesn't do anything in a hive anyway. Now he's deficient too. So it's a total dead end genetically. There's no future, there's no reproduction. You know, our society has social groups that are on a way to the same dead end. Just think about that. Both spiritually and physically, physiologically too. So it can happen with a beehive too. And that happens. If you have a hundred hives, at least one of them each season will do that. There will be this kind of rebellion. And, and when you watch that, all of a sudden you realize, ah, oh, that's what happened in heaven. Oh, it's, a, it's an object lesson. I can see how that happens. And, and when that happens, there's no way to correct it, except you annihilate this little, little rebel group and start things anew. And that's what the Lord is going to do eventually. Anyone who doesn't want to be transformed by his power will have to end up just like, like this colony. Then, uh, you know what we call those queens in beekeeping? We call them imposter queens, and some people call them drag queens. They pretend to be queens, they demand royal treatment, but they cannot produce life. And, and that's, that, that's something that actually Lucifer thought up. And uh, praise God, there's a way out. Praise God, God is trying to, uh, he's not trying to, but he's working through millennia now uh, on, on this terrible issue. And it will come uh, to, to its end pretty soon. So, there's rebellion in the colony, right? Now, these guys are preventing rebellion by not allowing strange bees. Because sometimes, strange bees, especially of Africanized strain, an Africanized bee, some people know them by the nickname killer bees, uh, they are a product of of crossbreeding of an Italian bee, which is very docile bee, with African bee, which is slightly aggressive, but a good worker. It's slightly, remember, African bee is just slightly aggressive, but a very good worker. So some scientists in Argentina decided to crossbreed those guys. You know, when you crossbreed things, the the hope is that their good qualities will be amplified and their bad qualities will stay low. That's the hope of any selectionist or breeder. So what happened in their lab after they crossbred these two varieties, the aggression gene happened to be amplified. So their aggression was amplified about 100 times. Their production stayed the same. So they are good workers, but the resulting bee is called Africanized bee is about 100 times more aggressive than regular bee. So if I come to a regular hive and I stand like three feet away from the entrance, just regular normal hive, not Africanized, they will probably ignore me. If I come like two feet away from the entrance, 
they will say, hey, this guy is a danger. He's threatening us. So they'll start sending soldiers to sting me, to remove me. That's the only way to remove me from their hive. They'll, first, they won't sting me. First, they'll butt me with their heads. Boom, 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 boom. If I don't move, they'll sting me. Then I'll move. <laughs> All right. Now, if this were an Africanized colony, and I approached it just about 10 feet, they would, instead of like, sending two or three soldiers to prevent my approaching, they'll send a hundred soldiers. And if I were to start running, they'll send a thousand soldiers to chase me for about two, three miles. They'll be chasing me. That's how aggressive they are. They defend their territory. Sort of like if you are from the east, you probably know about uh, water moccasins. They are very territorial. You come to, to a swamp where there's water moccasin and you just step on the shore, you know, too close to her water, it, it'll hiss at you from the water. That's how bad they are. So uh, territorial and defensive qualities of the resulting hybridized bee um, are so, uh, so powerful that you cannot actually work with Africanized bee without a suit. You have to have complete suit and gloves and boots. And uh, today, from that experiment in the 60s in Argentina, uh, a swarm escaped from that lab and started spreading through Argentina to Brazil, to Mexico, you know, Central America and Northern America. And today we have Africanized bees in Texas and Florida, all the way to Arkansas, all the way to North Carolina, all the way to Arizona, New Mexico and Southern California. This is all Africanized bee territory. So if you are catching swarms that are wild and allowing your queens to mate with any drones in that territory, there's a good chance you're getting Africanized strain into your bees. And within two, three years, if you had, let's say, Italian bees, within two, three years, they will become Africanized. What happens? These guards will be there on guard protecting, but Africanized bees will come and take over this colony. Um, they are good at, at, at taking over. So these guards won't be able to fight because the other colony sends more soldiers than they can send. So, you know, 10 to 1 ratio. They lose the battle. The Africanized colony settles in, raises, um, you know, a new, new queen there. Uh, and they actually will bring a queen. A swarm will, will come in. They will send soldiers and then we'll, se we'll send a swarm there and they'll take over. So, but that's the job of the guard. Let me show you a video, the guards in action, guys, and then we'll go to our subject. Uh, I need my glasses. Kind of describing us reading the Bible here about, you know, first and second kings. Now, look at this guy. These are guards, and that's a stranger. And they are telling the stranger, either ask for naturalization or leave. And, and the bee is pretty, pretty proud and not willing to bow down and ask for bee accepted, to be accepted. Guess what they'll do? They, they'll, they'll, they'll try to, to convince her. It won't agree. They'll try to sting her. You'll see, you see, this bee is trying to sting her now. And eventually they'll toss her off the landing board. And that's, that's the job of the guards. Meanwhile, the regular pollen and nectar carrier go in and out, in and out, in and out, you know, that's their job. Now, these guys' job is to defend their colony from intruders. Now, this is regular Italian bee. How do you know it's Italian? You see the yellow bands here? Um, this is Italian uh, bee. However, 
an Africanized colony would have about 20 of them swarming around this, this bee. And they won't be as ceremonious. They won't be as, as gentle. They will sting her right away and toss her off. So that's the job. By the way, the bees do that to the drones at the end of the season. You know, when the season is over, there's no more flowers, no more blossoms, no more fresh nectar. The drones don't, yep, the drones don't do any job in a hive. They only eat honey, and they are huge, and they need, eat lots of honey. So the bees, the worker bee says, there's no use keeping these guys in the hive. So they starve them, and they only keep them on the bottom board. They won't allow them to go to the comb where the honey is. And pretty soon, those drones will be so weak that the worker bees take them one by one out, sting them, and toss them out, or just toss them out. Because they are so weak, they just walk outside, can't even fly, you know. <laughs> so you pay a very high price for the life of ease and laziness. That's a good lesson to learn. Drones' job is basically eat honey, enjoy life. And if you're lucky, maybe mate with the queen in mid-flight one sunny day. But then again, that's not such a great luck because you'll die right away. So your, your, your wedding is your funeral at the same moment. So, so that's the life of drones. Plus, at the end of the season, when there's no more flowers, you're starved and tossed out of the hive. It's pretty... I don't want to be a drone. They live after they how long do the bees live after they sting? Remember, the bees die when they sting, and they die only if they sting a mammal. Like, I'm a mammal. That means that my mama fed me breast milk when I was a little boy. And what is another distinctive uh, feature of mammals? We all have what? At, uh, elastic skin. We don't have exoskeletal structure that's firm and you can breach it. Our skin, you can poke it, but if you poked it and removed the needle, it, 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 would, it collapses. There's no hole. So if you punch a hole in an exoskeletal uh, animal like a bee, there will be a gash. And, and basically, you can put the sting in and the sting of a bee has a little bar at, at the back, a hook. At the, at the very bottom. So if it goes in the skin, it's, our skin is so elastic or rubbery that it hugs the stinger. And when the bee tries to pull the sting out, that barb or that little, little hook holds the sting there so tight. So the bee eventually pulls hard and it pulls out all its intestines out of her tummy and basically dies. So the bee dies when it stings me or any other mammal. But when a bee stings another bee, it doesn't die because it can easily remove the stinger. So they do not die when they sting other insects. Yes? Have you had to deal with any Africanized bees in your, your hives? Yes, I have. Uh, they are a common thing. If you live and keep bees south of central California or south of Arkansas or south of Carolinas, you have Africanized bees. Um, they are pretty aggressive. Your neighbors won't like you. You need to replace the queen. The Africanized colony does not like new queens, so they are really hard to replace. Um, but if you are persistent, you can replace the queen. The easiest way is to phase that colony out by weakening it by removing the brood. You remove the, hatch, the, the, the brood that's ready to hatch, put it in some other colony. Eventually, they'll become so weak that they will have very few soldiers left. Remember, the aggression of a colony depends on the number of soldiers or, or guards. So when you reduce the number of species, then you can easier replace the queen. A strong colony, hard to replace the queen. And so let's switch to our subject. So how often have you had to do that? 
Um, when I lived in Texas, I replaced queens every two years because if you keep the queen and allow the queen to reproduce or make a new queen, you do not have control of what drones will mate with your new queen. And since I live in, in East Texas, we have Africanized bees everywhere. So most likely some of them are Africanized strain. They will mate with my virgin queen and the queen mates with about 10 drones. There's a good chance that out of those 10, there's one Africanized. So there's a good chance my resulting bees will be Africanized. They will be more aggressive. How do I tell that? If I approach the hive about six feet away and they are attacking me, they are Africanized. If I open the hive and instead of one or two bees flying around me, I have a hundred flying around me, they are Africanized. That's, that's the difference. Now, do not be afraid of Africanized bees. They are good workers. The only thing that you need to learn around Africanized bees is how to protect yourself. Like people in Arizona, New Mexico, Southern California, embrace Africanized bees. They say, well, can't beat them, right? Join them. So they take advantage of their good quality. They collect good honey. Even when the, the, the nectar flow is low, there's few flowers here and there, they collect good honey. They find it. They are very good workers. And the people there in Arizona and whoever wants to keep Africanized bees, they just have to wear boots, wear a full suit, and don't remove their gloves or, the, uh, gloves or their, you know, their veil, because if you do, you get stung. It you, take, you would have to worry about you know, someone walking onto your property and getting too close. It, You'd have to put up signs or something to keep people away. Many communities in uh, Southern California do not allow bees, period. Like, for example, Loma Linda does not allow bees. And uh, some friends of mine, uh, in spite of that law, had a couple of bees, and they hide them in the roof, you know, in the attic somewhere there. Their neighbor was washing the dog with some fragrant shampoo. And, of course, these bees are foraging, so they went to that smell. You know, what's smelling so good? It smells sweet. So they stung that dog to death. And the guy called the police. The fire department came and starting, you know, starting trying to wash off the bees off the dog. It takes about 300 stings for an average-sized guy or a dog my size. It takes about 300 stings to kill. Like, it takes about 300 stings to kill me. Now, if you are allergic to bee venom, it takes just one bee because you get anaphylactic shock and you'll choke to death right away. So make sure you're not allergic to bees if you are working with bees. First of all, find out, are you allergic? How do you know that, that you're allergic? Talk to a, an allergy. If you're allergic to any bee products, then you're allergic to, 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 to bees. Now, try, talk to your allergists too. But if you've been stung by bees before then you, and you didn't have swelling and choking, then you're not allergic. Now, if you've been stung by the bees and you had anaphylactic shock, basically you couldn't breathe, you are allergic. Now, um, why are we talking about that? So oh, what happened to the fire department? Okay. so they basically, you know, hosed the dog off, didn't help, the dog died. So they started tracking where the bees are going. So they found out it's going to the neighbors, you know, and they found out the hive. So it was a big write-up and a TV blurb on local news how these people kept bees against the law and we cannot have bees. So basically, Loma Linda does not allow bees at all, which is Southern California. Each community has their own rules. If you want bees, find out from your county, from your agriculture, de local department, what are the rules on beekeeping. 
some communities allow, some don't. Loma Linda doesn't. You can have these, but there's parameters. It has, it has to be 500 feet from the nearest neighbor, um, or from nearest uh, sidewalk, or nearest road. There's restrictions, and, and they are different from community to community. So you need to find out your local community rules. Of course, um, because the aggression of uh, southern, southern bees, the stricter and stricter rules now in the communities there. Uh, almost every year I read articles how the water meter readers, you know, they have to stoop down and open this little uh, lid and read the meter there on the ground. Very often Africanized bees find that little thing, very nice inviting place for a hive. So they start uh, building comb and living there. So and a meter reading guy, water meter guy will come with a little hook, open it up, and there's like hundreds of them in his face. And there were fatal incidents in, uh, in um, San Bernardino, uh, next to Riverside in Southern California. So These guys were... Continuing to move north? They are slowly moving north, yes. And uh, according to the environmental studies, the warmer it gets, the farther north they, they move. Today we are losing some of the bees. Some of the species are dying out. Not honeybees, but like bumblebees. We lost two species already. One of them is announced endangered, and the warmer it gets, the farther north they move, and the less of them can live in the south because it's too hot. So that's what's happening there. Okay, let's go back to our subject because we are off the subject. Um, so, and our subject was merging. Let me show you an interesting slide, a swarm in action. Uh, actually, it's a video. It's, um, it's very like, that's how a swarming event would look. You will see the bees circling like this around. It'll become denser and denser and denser. You'll, you'll see this cloud of bees really thick, dark cloud. They are pretty good navigators. You see how they are not bumping each other? They fly right next to each other. Their patterns are very interesting. And they don't hit each other. Eventually, this cloud will form into about 10 feet wide cloud of bees that will be moving together with their queen to some location. So uh, this, this event is a natural way of multiplying bees. So let me go back to this presentation here. Uh, if you have one hive, you have fewer. If you just one hive, you'll have just about maybe 10, 20 bees flying at the same time. If you have 100 hives, then you multiply it by 100 times. So, uh-huh. When we lived in Africa, they'd swarm into our chimney, our unused chimney. That was really scary. There. Yeah. Advance that when, when I tell you. Yes. All right, guys, this is uh, the last pest, and I forgot to tell you that there's one more very, very, very terrible, horrible pest. Uh, and that's uh, the pest that likes fruit and likes uh, plums and, and apples. You see what it does to plum trees? It just breaks the branches off and eats the plums off. Go to the next slide. Uh, it comes to your hives. Bears. Bears, absolutely right. I did not know this, but Florida has bears, yes. black bears. 
and I found it the hard way. I brought a semi of bees to, to Fort Myers area. And the first night we placed them out there, the next day the local farmer, he's growing watermelons there. He calls me up and he says, hey, I think there was a bear at your bees. I said, no way. I, yeah. I said, do you have bears? Yeah, we have bears. I said, no. I, I thought I, I got out of the mountains into flat area. Maybe there's no bears. Yes, there's bears. So yeah, we have bears in, in Florida and they like honey and they like brood and they will come to your hives. And once they found out where your hives are, they'll be back. Yes. Yeah. They'll tell their cousins. Yes. Those are the friends that, uh, friends that yeah, 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 that's the frames. You see, the box was tipped by the bear. What happened to the frames? They all fell out. Let's go to the next slide. You'll have a close-up. Now, these are the frames. You see the wooden frame? See, the bear ate some of the brood, ate some of the honey. Something must have scared this guy, or he didn't have his cousins with him, because he left lots of honey. You see, all this is kept honey. He did not eat the whole thing. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, this is how it looks when the bear visits your, your hives. Let's keep going. Um, yeah, some of it was eaten completely out. You see, he has pretty good appetite. Keep going. Uh, this is how it looks, you know, the next day, because he'll be back for the second or third hive. And um, it, he'll come every other day. Yes, keep going. He'll leave a mark to know, to, to, to let everybody know, this is my territory, you know. Keep going. Uh, this is how he tests what, the, what your frames have. You know, if there's nothing there, he leaves the frame alone, right? You see how the cells are carefully built from, from you know, they are about, about uh, half an inch deep? And he just doesn't taste good, so he leaves this frame alone. Keep going. Um, what do you do if that happens to your hives? You carefully collect all the frames back. If you see any bees left, scoop them out, put them back. Hopefully the queen didn't die in this process. And that hive might recover. So this is the last pest we have to deal, and in Florida, you do have to deal with these guys. If you bee do beekeeping in Florida or anywhere there's bears, remember, put electric fence, probably two layers of electric fence around, uh, strong posts, because bears can knock down posts and stuff. Strap them too. Yeah, yeah. Strap them. If you strap your hives together yeah, with them, yeah. that helps too. By the way, they don't, they, if they cannot take the hive apart, they use their claws to just break the hive. They just break the boards, break the frames until they can reach the honey and the brood, and they will gorge on that stuff. So that's the last pest. Okay, um, and that's the bear in action. <laughs> I did not take that shot. I just found it online. But yeah, that's, I, I told you, I saw once how bear is doing it, but I didn't take a picture. I just didn't think of it. You can really have good laugh watching the bear do that. He would just carry a hive like this, you know. <laughs> carry it away somewhere where he can sit down and, and have a nice dessert, you know. That's, that's what they do. They're really funny. And uh, my cousin and I once watched that and we laughed uh, bellies off when we saw that. But then it was time to go and put the hive together. And my, I, I say, well, come on, let's go put it together. He said, I'm not going there, you know. Because <laughs> that bear might be back. And they're pretty sizable guys, yes. I don't know. I've never been to grizzly territory. But if you live where grizzlies are, like, you know, somewhere in Wyoming, or Montana, or Canada, talk to local beekeepers. I've never dealt with grizzlies. You do sprays? Yeah. Um, but for local black bears um, that we have in California and you have here, what you need to do is, is do electric fence and do a couple of layers, do good posts because they can knock the posts off. 
Just like a bull, anybody tried keeping the bull out of your corn by putting electric fence around, doesn't really work. The bull just rips through the wire, you know, it gets shocked once or twice, but he doesn't care because he knows he has a reward. There's sweet honey or sweet corn there. You know, the bears are the same way. If your, your electric fence is not well built, it'll break through it and go to your hives. So make sure you put electric fence right away before the bear discovers your hives, because once the hives are discovered. All his uncles and cousins will know, and they will come as a gang. Yeah, it, it can happen. So, let's go into natural, um, natural. What about having uh, nails? Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Boards with nails, things like that. Oh, oh raccoons, yeah. Raccoons, another pass. Uh, uh, raccoons, also skunks. They'll come to your hive, and they'll scratch at the entrance at night sort of like knocking. Anybody there? Of course, the guards will come out and they will grab their paw and just roll them like this, the guards, on the board until they are dead and then eat them, you know, one by one. <laughs> 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 they, they, are, they want food. So some people do, do like take the carpet strips from, you know, you know with, with nails so the raccoon doesn't have a very pleasant sensation when it goes like this on the front on the landing board. It's it, it hurts him. Sometimes they feed them um, Pepsi with poison. They like Pepsi for whatever reason. They put poison in Pepsi, so the, these skunks eat that po uh, drink that that uh, Pepsi and they die. So all kinds of things are done. But uh, there's pests, large pests also that mess with bees. But let's yes question and let's move. That's right. The unprotected portion of, of, of these skunks is the belly. So when they reach up, the guards can sting their belly. And, and then, then they run away. So, so you can put them higher. That's, that's, that's a good thing, too. Was that a question? All right. Okay, guys, let's, um, let's talk about um, merging and growing and swarming. We talked about strong colonies as the key to your successful beekeeping. So what happens if you do not have strong colonies, but you have three weak colonies? And a weak colony is defined as four frames or less. It's better to take those three colonies and merge them into one. So how do you achieve that merging, since we know that each colony has their own chemical ID or their own pheromone or their own passport, and they will fight if you merge them, right? You can achieve it in a couple of ways. One of the simplest ways that I know, and it works the fastest, is... Um, is kill one of the queens if you have two to, to merge. Let's say you have three to merge. You kill two queens and leave the best queen. How do you def define which is a good queen? You pull the frame out, like a frame like that, and look at the brood pattern. If you see the brood that has no skipping, it's, it's solid brood, it's a good queen. If you see that brood is patchy, a patch of, of brood here, patch here, patch here, you know, it's not consistent that queen is not a good layer. So you choose out of your three weak hives which queen is the best queen. She might be still not good, but she's better than two others, <laughs> you know? So you choose the best, you kill the bad queens. What you do next is the simplest way. You take a bottle of um, some kind of scented syrup, some, 
like a mint syrup or some eucalyptus oil in your, in your sugar water, 50-50, basically a part of water, a part of sugar, and a few drops of mint oil or eucalyptus oil. Shake it well and spray both colonies with that spray. So you're basically erasing their chemical ID and you're assigning a new chemical ID temporarily to both colonies. And then you merge them. You put brood to brood. You remember that in the center of the hive, in epicenter of the hive, the frames in the middle normally have brood. The frames on the periphery have mostly honey. So you take central hives from one colony, central hives with brood from another, and put them next to brood colonies in the colony that you want to beef up and make a strong colony. And you said you spray them with what? Before you introduce them, spray them with mixture of um, some kind of water sugar, a part sugar, a part water mixed well, and a few drops of anything scented like peppermint oil, eucalyptus oil, you can buy it in the store. Or some kind of fragrance that's pleasant. Uh, the best fragrance actually that you can buy is uh, lemon balm oil or Melissa. You know Melissa officinalis is the Latin name for the herb. It's an herb, it's a, a type of a mint. When you rub that mint, it smells like lemon. It's called lemon balm. You can also rub that in an empty hive. It attracts bees, or you can attract a swarm to your hive. To have an empty hive or two, put them out, rub some of this, um, you know, lemon balm on it. it. It attracts bees. It also calms them down. It also also calms down people. If you have temper and hungry, <laughs> take take some lemon balm tea. <laughs> so do that mixture before you merge these three different colonies together. Give a good spray. Each frame, spray it well. All the bees have to be sprayed with this new scent. So essentially, you are stripping the old passports away, the old chemical IDs, assign them new chemical scent, new chemical ID, and you merge them together. Within two or three days, because they will lick the syrup off each other, and they will accept each other as equal member of the same colony because of this new scent they have. Because the old is gone, now everything is new. <laughs> so, because everything is new, they are friends, they don't fight. Their queen will smell the same as they, so they will not fight the queen either. Because if I introduce the bees from this colony into this colony without spraying, guess what happens? These strange bees will kill my queen. But since you assign them the same scents now from that bottle, that, uh, that assures that they will not fight. A question? Do you spray the strong colony too with that same scent? Yes. You, do you spray all of them, all the bees that you merge, you have to spray with the same scent. Because if you just spray these two colonies and then join them to this other third colony, the two that you introduce will be fine with each other, they smell the same. But the colony that you are beefing up has a different chemical ID, it smells differently. So they will, these two will fight this and they'll kill its queen. So you want to spray all three that you are merging, all two, all five that you are merging with the same spray. And um, introduce them, they will eat the sugar water from each other, they lick each other dry, and by that time they'll be friends. That's just the brood though, right? See what? That's just the brood. Right? Uh, not just the brood, all the bees. Yeah, all the bees, absolutely. Every, every single bee that you are dealing with has to be sprayed with that. All the frames. So first you do the brood, yes, you put the brood in the center because that's how the colony has to have it. All the brood has to be together. Then you introduce the rest of the frames, but if they have bees, spray them. Spray them. So all the frames now have the same scents. All the bees that you combined, merged, have the same scent. They will work together. They won't fight. Within two or three days, they will be just like one colony.
Now, a better thing yet, kill all three queens and order, well, first order a new queen when it arrived, kill all the three queens and introduce a new queen to that colony. Make sure the queen you're buying is from a reputable source and you're buying it uh, sometime, you know, late spring, that it's well fertilized, uh, well fertilized, that is well fertile, that, that is productive queen. And, uh, and then this colony will explode really fast. That's, um, that's what, what happens. So that's, that's how you merge. Question. So what happens to the bee that doesn't get sprayed? Like he was out gathering pollen or... Right. Right. Good. So what happens to the bees who never got sprayed? They came from the field. That's the question. You, you, are mer you merge these colonies, you assign the same scent to all of them, and then the original bee from either of those hives come back, comes back. First of all, it'll look for its hive and it's gone. It'll fly left and right until it finds some entrance to some hive. It will zoom in onto that hive, land on the landing board, and those guards will start inspecting her and they, they'd say, hey, you don't belong here. But the bee will say, look, I'm bringing pollen and I'm bringing nectar. Okay, you can come in. As it comes in, it will also smell different scents, but because it'll rub off some of that scent of others, eventually it will be assimilated. Sort of like me, a Russian fellow came to this American land and sort of assimilated. You know, I, it, your, your ways rub off onto me, right? <laughs> and, and I'm sort of becoming more and more like one of you guys. I speak your language, pretty soon, you know, I act like you, and, you know, it, yeah, yeah, poor fella, right? So, same thing happens to those strange bees. They, now, if they came back and it was a stormy day and they didn't collect anything, guess what? The only way they have to, to is to bow down and ask for mercy and permission, then it's granted and she becomes a citizen. Yes? Oh, the best time is a warm day. Remember, working with bees at 50 degrees or below is not a good idea. First of all, it's too cold. The brood will get too cold. You, it will catch a cold, like, like bacterial infection, like, like foul brood infection may set on the, when your brood gets chilled. So not a good idea. So when you work with bees, especially when you spray them, because any amount of water when it is introduced in your skin and evaporates, it takes lots of energy to evaporate water. So it will cool additionally much more that frame with brood and bees. They'll be so cold being sprayed. Try spraying yourself at 50 degrees outdoors, you know. <laughs> it's cold. So what happens? You do not want to spray them and work with them when temperatures are 50 or below. Try to work bees when temperatures are 60 or above. 60 above is good temperature. If you are spraying them, wait until 70 degree day because it cools them extra. You don't want to do that. So on a warm day, and most, the most comfortable time to work bees is 60 to 90. That's your comfortable range. If it's 110, you won't last outdoors that long. <laughs> the bees are okay, but you won't last. If it's below 60, the bees don't like that. They, they get cold, they start crawling around, they freeze to death, and you're losing bees, and they are upset, they'll sting you. There's a few factors that cause bees to sting. First of all, if you open them in a, on a stormy day, like before a thunderstorm, you know, a rainy day, don't do that. If you open your colony right after you moved them, you, took, you moved them from one yard to another in a bed of your old 
dump truck. <laughs> you know, after that ride, I learned it the hard way. I moved them from one from my location to a, a, a lavender field about 30 miles away, and I was just the beginner beekeeper. I was 16, and I thought, oh, let me open up. Just as I unloaded them and put them on the field, waited for about 20 minutes, and I saw some bees flying out. I said, well, let me open up, see how they like it. The moment I opened them, normally you don't wear a mask because the bees are pretty gentle but the conditions have to be right for the bees to be gentle. So after a bumpy ride, they are pretty upset. <laughs> so I didn't put my mask, nothing. I just opened the hive, and I had about a hundred of them go straight in my face. I looked Chinese. <laughs> I had no eyes. I, I was swollen. Uh, you know, by the evening, I had a, a, a fever of about 98, 99. It was just about 100 bees. But if I had about 300, I probably would have died because that, an average guy takes about 300 stings. And if, it's, if I'm a heavier dude, then it takes about 400 <laughs> bees. You know, it depends on, on your body mass. So uh, there's other conditions. For example, if, um, if you are wearing strong cologne or if you are sweating profusely and didn't take shower for a few days, they'll smell the body odor and they fly straight to your ha body hair and start stinging it, you know. They go for your eyebrows, your hair, your, your, your armpits, and, you know, just, just um, they like, don't, don't like tobacco smoke either, so, so I hope nobody smokes. But if, you, if anybody does, quit smoking and don't work bees with, with tobacco. <laughs> they don't like that. So any strong odor, odor any loud noise, don't play boombox next to your bees. Not a good idea. Don't run a weed eater right in front of your hive trying to weed the grass, you know. They don't like any vibration. Why? Because they are exoskeletal. Any vibration of any machinery around will cause vibration of their whole body, you know, in resonance with the noise of your... There will be hundreds of them flying straight at you. Don't mow right in front of them. You can do all that at night. Okay, when after sunset, remember the bees do not come out of the hive and fly around after sunset. They still will be aggravated if you come at night and knock at the, at the hive. A few of the soldiers will come out and they will attempt flying at you and sting you too if you bother them. Now, don't wear dark clothing, especially woolly clothing. They'll, they'll sting you. So, let's talk about merging bees in another way. I told you one way of merging, you spray them. There's actually a shortcut to that. Let's say you, you, you are dealing not with a horizontal hive, but you're dealing with vertical root-style hive that has many boxes, multi-story hive. Instead of spraying them, you don't have time or the weather is too cold. You have another version of merging them. It's too cold and both colonies are weak and you want to merge them. What do you do? So let's say one col this is one colony, this is another colony. And both are weak. These are pretty strong colonies. So what you do, open the lid on this colony, put a sheet of newspaper. Cover, instead of lid, cover them with newspaper. Then take a box with bees that you want to merge and put it on top of that box with just a newspaper separating them. So what will happen? Give me a couple of guesses. Yeah, absolutely. What they, they will hear some noise and some warmth next to each other and say, hey, there's something happening there. So they'll start munching through that newspaper or any thin paper like newspaper. 
maybe wrapping paper, whatever paper, not thick paper, okay, thin paper. They'll start punching a little hole and, and very slowly sending one by one back and forth like, like spies to spy out what's there. They'll start negotiating, they'll start sharing their pheromones and pretty soon they'll start munching and eating more holes through and pretty soon they'll eat the whole newspaper out and they will join naturally by just their friendly disposition because they decided to be at peace with each other. Yes? How about the queens? Before you merge them, kill one of them. Kill the worst performing one and introduce a new one. I, I mean, and keep the, the better one. Now, if both are bad, kill them both and introduce a new queen in a cage. How come they don't kill the queen then you which you introduce when you merge the two colonies? Because the new queen that you just bought comes in a cage and the entrance to the cage is sealed with special paste or candy. It's basically powdered sugar mixed with honey or syrup. And the queen has one or two attendants with her in that cage, which take care of the queen, whatever needs she has. Sometimes there's a little sponge there with water too. So it depends how many you buy. Sometimes you buy like a hundred queens, they will be shipped to you in one big box with a sponge of water and maybe a hundred attendants that are not individually in the cages, but they are attending to all of the queens at the same time. Same attendants attends to all of them. <laughs> so you take that box, if it has no attendants, take some of these attendants and introduce them into that little cage, seal it back, and put it into your hive that has no queens. For example, you, you merge two, two hives, killed both queens, introduce this in between the frames, right in the epicenter of the hive, right where the brood is supposed to be. The curious worker bees from that colony that know they have no queen now, remember, before you introduce the queen, you have to allow those colonies to feel the absence of the queen. Because if you introduce the new queen right away, they will reject her. So first, in order to be healed, you need to acknowledge you have a what? A problem, right? You have a need. <laughs> so the same with the bees. If you introduce the queen called Turkey and just killed the old queen and introduce the new queen right away, they won't accept her. Let them stay queenless for about 12 hours, like overnight. They stayed queenless overnight. Then they know they need a queen because the, the pheromone level that queen releases has dropped. They say, ah, alarm, panic, you know, we have no queen, we need to do something. Introduce the new queen after that. But don't wait for a week to introduce a queen. Why? Because they'll start making their own queens. And when you introduce a new queen, they'll say, we don't need this, we, we want our queen. You know, just don't wait that long. You have to catch that moment, 12 to 24, maybe 36 hours the most. Don't wait any longer. Introduce a new queen. They all accept her. What will happen? The, the attendants from the old queen and other worker bees will start sniffing around and start munching on that paste, candy paste, and eat through it from this side. And the attendants inside of the cage where the queen is will start eating through on the, on the inside. Eventually, they all meet in a very very narrow tunnel there, eating from both sides and starting saying hello <laughs> through that little hole and, uh, and start negotiating and release the new queen and the queen is fully accepted. Well, when I say fully accepted, if you have a hundred queens, thank you. 
Thank you, very good. <laughs> when you have a hundred colonies and you replaced all hundred queens, your acceptance rate would be around 80%. So out of every 10 queens, only eight will be accepted. Why? Because the bees know better and see better the quality of the queen. Perhaps the, the queen that was shipped to me, or I raised myself, I didn't see anything wrong with the queen, but the worker bees and the attendants know exactly what they want in a queen and they notice there's some kind of deficiency and they reject her. So an average rate of acceptance is about 80%. So you introduce 100 queens, expect about 20 of them to be rejected. Basically they'll be killed and you'll have to introduce new queens there until they accept them. Or you have another choice, you can merge them with other colonies. That's another choice. All right, yes? I just have a question because uh, the acceptance, like, you know, when you, when you, see, I have some hives, but I only use my big dukes, my big hives being contest to, to fake dukes. So my question is when I, you know, I don't have the excrease, when I get those extra increase, what could make my acceptance rates better when I'm when making my dukes? Because yeah. sometimes they just don't. They reject the queen, you know, and sometimes I wait like a day or what, 12 hours as a minimum, you know, and sometimes it doesn't happen. So are you introducing a fertile queen already? Yeah, uh, yeah, she's already disseminated and everything, okay. so she's a fresh queen, you know, and, you know. The answer to that is uh, introduce some of lemon balm. Just try to perfect the, perfect the conditions. You know, put some lemon balm, spray, uh, but still it doesn't guarantee acceptance. Right. It depends on things I cannot see and you cannot see, but the attendants can see and the worker bees can see and they say, we don't want this queen. Perhaps they can detect how much eggs are in the ovaries, I don't know. Maybe they take the measurements of her abdomen and say, no, this queen's measurements are not what we want. I don't know. But there's, there's some kind of factor that we don't know that an average rate of acceptance roughly is about 80, but sometimes it could be less, could be 60%. It can. Once, one summer, I made 100 of my own queens and only half of them were accepted. So it was a rate of 50% only. Now, why? There's a few factors. Maybe that queen could not mate sufficiently, and I cannot detect that, but the worker bees can. Uh, or maybe that queen had a deficient leg or a wing, or maybe one of the ovaries on the left were, you know, idle, not producing, you know. <laughs> I don't know. But the bees know those things, and that's why they... Now, the greatest factor of healthy queen is, is um, clean... Varroa, uh, varroa-free bees. Uh, varroa, varroa, you know the mite, the red mite. Yeah. yeah. So the the little mites, varroa mites, like queen cells and drone cells. As soon as there's a queen cell or drone cell, the varroa queen will run right there. Why? Because it's going to be a big juicy larva, and she can lay tons of eggs there. So as those tiny varroa mite eggs are developing together with the queen larva, they will suck on its lymph and the resulting queen will be deficient somehow and I can't visually tell, but the worker bees can. So to increase your rate and the quality of the queens you are raising, make sure you raise them in varroa, as much as possible varroa free colony. Basically, treat your bees for varroa infestation or make sure you start your nuke with a colony that has no capped brood. 
Why no capped brood, guys? Because that's where Varroa is, in a capped brood. So as, as, as soon as the, the bees are hatching from the capped brood, there's Varroa coming and it'll dive right into your queen cells and will start sucking on the limb of that poor larva queen and that will reduce the quality of your resulting queen. So a healthy colony to begin with, raise your queens in that healthy colony. Make sure you remove, trap all the mites by removing all the capped brood. And if you could raise some drone brood there, you know that, that Varroa likes drone larva too. So you will trap all the Varroa in that drone. You'll remove that and that will create pretty healthy Varroa free conditions for raising the queens. That's, uh, that's the best I could think. But they said if you take it out and frame it, you freeze it, that kills it too, but you've got to have a lot of space for that. That's true. Uh, designate a freezer for Varroa mites. <laughs> you know? All right. Okay, so let's talk another question. Oh, boy, we are going slow. Okay, let's take two minutes and we'll talk about, um, about growing bees. Tell me two factors that encourage the colony to grow. Major factors. Lots of pollen and lots of honey. Remember, if there's no natural pollen out there, no, no nectar out there, no flowers, your, your colony is languishing. You will have to either feed your colony sugar water, 50-50, one part water, one part sugar, mixed. Don't have to boil it, just mix it. Hot water, sugar, mix. Serve it chilled. Um, any, well, preferably cane sugar because cane sugar is not genetically modified. The cane is not genetically modified yet. Sugar beets today are genetically modified. That means you are harming your bees. Genetically modified food, we don't have 100% proof, but we know that it's deficient food. It, it's messing with our genetic material. We don't want that. So what the bees the same way. Try to do, stay with cane sugar. No, no molasses because it will clog their digestive system. They will have diarrhea. Only refined cane sugar. Well, there is actually syrup or, or, or syrup that you can buy commercially produced for beekeepers. It's corn, like high fructose corn syrup mixed with some other sugars. Not a good idea. Well, commercial beekeepers do that, but you know, corn is genetically modified too, and so is sugar beet. So stick with, with cane sugar. Okay, two factors, right? Food, and, and remember, carbohydrates is, is, is honey, and protein is pollen. If there's no pollen, they cannot raise babies, because for babies to grow, they have to have protein, right? So, or they have to have royal jelly, which is high protein content thing too. So they have to have those. Now, there's one more condition for them to grow. The temperatures outdoors have to be what? 60. Because if it's 50 and, and below, the queen is not producing eggs. The queen's egg production drops. The queen doesn't have good forecast of the weather, and the queen is depending on the good weather. If the weather is good, the forecast is good, the temperatures rise into 70s, the queen starts laying lots of eggs, more and more and more and more and more. By May and June, she will lay 2,000 eggs daily. Lots of eggs. So that will increase your population. So don't try to raise bees in January. Um, the colony will just languish there. Even though you feed it pollen and give patties, like sugar powder patties or pollen patties with sugar powder, it, they will try raising the, the, 
the bees, but the queen is not just laying enough because it's not warm enough. As soon as the sun sh is shining and fresh nectar that's fairly thin coming in, that stimulates the queen right away and she starts laying eggs like crazy. So that's how you grow your colonies. Remember, healthy colony, strong colony, new queen. What, what is the result of the colony uh, growing so strong and overcrowding? What happens next? Swarming. Swarming is a natural reproduction of, of bees. When they are crowded enough, they will choose a few eggs there. They will force the queen to lay some eggs in special cells that are queen cells. And within 16 days, a new queen is about to hatch. It will send signals, beep, 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 beep. And the old queen says, it's time to go. And out she goes with about half of the bees. The first queen hatched. And the, the queen that hatched is right away looking for other queen cells. Why? She wants to destroy all of them because she doesn't want any competition, right? But she may miss some. She will munch on some of them, sting those queens, but she'll miss on another one. And she will hear beep, 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 beep. And she says, oh, I'm too late. Those other queens are hatching. They'll sting me. So she will say, how about I swarm away too? So sometimes a colony in the same day will release two or three swarms, depending on the strength of the colony. Sometimes a second swarm, of course, will be half of the previous <laughs> size, right? It'll take some of the hives and take off. How do you prevent that kind of stuff, guys? Because what happens if a swarm takes off? You're losing bees and losing your future honey and your future bee colonies. You could have done something with them, but now they are gone. How do you prevent swarming? You split them. Do not allow overcrowding. So when the colony is two-story high and bustling with bees, hey, that's a good time to make a split. So take the old queen out with about four frames of brood and put them in another box. And some of the bees will return to the old location. It's okay. In about three weeks, those will be growing again. And in about um, a month, there'll be a, a full one-box colony. In about two months, it'll be a two-box colony. Provided that there's factors like honey and pollen available. If it's not, you need to feed them some sugar water and, and stuff like that. How else do you prevent swarming? You give them more room. If they are running out of room, take these two boxes, take the first box, put an empty box with frame between, and then put the other box on the top. Guess what happens? They are forced to build the box in between. And they'll fill it up with honey and babies and, and whatnot. So you gave them more room. You prevented swarming. So instead of making a split, what have you done? You prevented a super strong hive that deserves a super that they will fill with what? With honey. So you put a queen excluder and this strong colony that has three boxes of bees will easily within two weeks fill out your fourth box full of honey, provided that there's blossoms around. <laughs> so that's how you prevent swarming, yes. Uh, one person can handle um, up to 500 colonies and that will be a full job. That will be like a full job, you know, seven in the morning, seven in the evening, that's your job. Up to 500. If you are doing more than five, you will have to hire help. You'll have to hire especially seasonal help in the spring and summer and when you're extracting honey, you'll have to hire people. But if you, if you do anything under 500, you can handle it on your own. Anything above 500, you'll have to hire two seasonal helpers in the summer. By the way, if you are interested, guys, um, a guy I work with, my partner, 
and I myself would be offering internship in beekeeping. And it's available for you guys, anybody interested. It could be either a one-month internship, a two-month internship, or a four-month internship. You could do the internship either in California, which will involve almond pollination and citrus honey production. You can take that internship. You could take another internship, which would be clover honey production, which would be in North Dakota. Uh, or you can take another internship in Florida, and that will be September, October, and November. That will be on queen rearing and doubling the numbers of your colony. So that will be a three-month internship. If you want, you can take all the internship as a half-year thing, like a, a full-season thing. Uh, just uh, contact me, or maybe I should send a sheet of paper. You put, if you're interested, we'll, we'll make... Um, We'll make a, a list, and, um, and uh, if you are serious about an internship, that would include um, um, some of things that you are, need to be able to do. You need to, to have your own transportation to and from the location. You need to have your sleeping bag or some kind of bedding. The conditions will be like camping. Like in North Dakota, there's actually a house, but it's a primitive house with heat and air conditioning. However, there's no luxury stuff there. There's one shower, there's one, two, three bedrooms. So if it's a couple, they would get one bedroom. If it's a single guy or girl, it, she'll have, or he will have a bedroom for themselves. And if it's just two college kids, they will share a bedroom, you know? <laughs> so, so that's what it is. The one in Florida will involve probably motel stay. Um, and um, the one in California will have also an apartment stay. Florida, that'll be Fort Myers area, like um, uh, Immokalee area, uh, if you know that, that area. Uh, and North Dakota, that would be, um, that would be uh, Bismarck area, about 40 miles west of Bismarck. There's a little town there. There's 40 acres, and there's a large bee yard. And now, whoever is interested, remember that beekeeping, it's like home owning. It doesn't mean that you just work with frames, you know. You don't just look at the bees and pet them. Beekeeping is like, um, it's like homeowning. Basically, if you're a homeowner, you have to paint your home. You have to fix your home. So you might end up painting beehives or repairing beehives or making frames or inserting frames in the colonies. You might be, you know, extracting honey. Basically, it's a wide array of tasks that you are to be capable of. So you have to not be afraid of hammers, pliers, nails. Uh, you have to be able to lift 40 pounds, that kind of stuff. So um, that, that's what, what it is. Well, shall we take a break? And if you are interested in an internship, I'll put a sheet of paper and a pen here. You can write your coordinates and, and uh, we'll get in touch with you. Oh, by the way, here how it works. You will get food and you will get free food. And housing also for free you will be given five hundred dollars a month as an allowance and you would be a you should be able to work 10 hour days one of those hours will be classroom the other nine hours will be field work so that's how it works so that's all you're getting guys 500 bucks room and board primitive room <laughs> this media was brought to you by audioverse 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.